Hello, everybody. Welcome to Some Nerd Seven Podcast. I'm Nick. I'm Elise. I'm Alex. And, um, and this has been a night of technical kerfuffles. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully everything's going to sound well when you listen to it. I'm the one's got to make it that way, so hopefully I can do that. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, <laughs> thanks. Uh, <laughs> so how have, how have you been? Uh, doing stuff. Doing I, stuff. I was like developing a cough the other day and i'm like is this the rona and then i saw a headline that was like oh yeah those smoke clouds over washington dc are smoke from the forest fires on the west coast and i'm like cool that's probably what's making me cough no it's just, not it's just steam from the steamed hand <laughs> the, steam, yeah. oh my the God. steamed california we're having it's uh. <laughs> what i call baked alaska <laughs> but the fires in california are the best fires <laughs> Terrible. Stay safe to all of our listeners in California. And do we have any? And Washington. And Oregon and Washington State and just like basically if you're if you're west of the Rocky Mountains, please stay safe. We might have listeners from the West Coast. I really don't know. Apparently people have been listening to us on SoundCloud now and I can't really check our statistics on that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. So welcome all you listeners from SoundCloud. Not SoundCloud. Yeah. Not SoundCloud. Sorry, we we upload SoundCloud. What am I talking about? Spotify. That's the word. Spotify. Oh, cool. Spotify. We're on Spotify. We've been on Spotify for a while now. Oh man, fancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I've asked you that before, and I just forgot. Oh, Nick's not very bright. <laughs> no. We keep it around because he's handsome. That's true. Um, so how's how's everybody doing? Um, staying staying safe from again the country burning down and. Murderous cops in the street and deadly pandemic sweeping the country. We, we, we and those Nazis. And Don't Nazis. forget about those Nazis. Well, I said the cops. Oh, fair. Yeah. Well, the the cop wannabes. Um, I mean, some of them are actual cops too. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm. I've survived so far. We'll see if we make it to the end of the year. But uh, I'm gonna try. So I have something stupid that I really want to talk about. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know what this is, too. So, um, I'm just going to take over this. Um, Do it. Okay. So are either of you familiar with the American Girl Doll series? I'm familiar uh, with all the times you've told me about the American Girl Doll series. I am somewhat familiar with the American Girl Doll series. I never had one, uh, but my sisters did. And so I'm, yes. I'm familiar with some of the dolls, and I think I watched, like, one of the movies. I think I watched the one where it's, like, in Williamsburg. Back in my day, we didn't have the movies. You oh. just had the books in your imagination. And if you were lucky, you had a $90 doll, which is now, like, a $150 fucking dollar doll. I remember we had, I think it was Molly, who was, like, a World War II and yeah, and she had like a typewriter, and I remember playing with the typewriter because you could actually push the the little buttons. Oh, you that's cool! You could punch the keys for God's you sake. You could punch the keys for God's sake. It was great. <laughs> they were like the bougiest. Like it was having an original American Girl doll was like a status symbol when I was like five. Mm. So, <laughs> like, um. So yeah, these dolls are stupidly expensive. If you know anything about this series, it's you know that. And if you live in Virginia, you know about Felicity. Mm-hmm. Um, because Felicity is a redhead from Williamsburg. Yeah. 
um, which is really funny to like five people anyway who are listening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but we all live in Virginia, so we know uh, we all know about Felicity. Mm-hmm. Um, who lived during Felicity. the American Revolution. Yeah. Um, but they just announced. So they just announced um, the newest history girl. So they used to do. So basically, you would have a girl. Um, you'd get a fucking doll. I mean, not a fucking, but you would get a doll. <laughs> That's something else. <laughs> Shut up. That's the Felicity fan fiction, which is very popular on Archive of, I- of Our the, Own. Uh, it's, um, the, it's the uh, what would it be? American Real Doll. Oh, gross. Oh. No. You started Disgusting. it. Okay, so. <laughs> but yeah, on a side note, um, of the original girls, Felicity has the most fan fiction. Um, and it is all shipping Felicity and Ben. So Felicity just, sorry, I had to get this off my chest. <laughs> so so Felicity's dad owned a store um, in Williamsburg. He has an apprentice named Ben who's like kind of hot. Like, let's be real. Um, <laughs> and like all... All of the American Girl doll fan fiction is about like Felicity and Ben like hooking up like during and after the war. And like they all age her up because I'm like, she's like 10 in this series and it's like 1774. Like y'all need to calm it down. Um <laughs> yeah, she's 10 in 1774. Wait three years. <laughs> oh Jesus. That's disgusting. <laughs> yes, history's disgusting. Uh. <laughs> Did you know? Did you know things are gross? Every every period in history is disgusting, uh, including this one. Inclu- especially this one. I don't know about especially so, this one. So anyway, um, well, most of them are like, it's 1780 and she's 16 and ready to get it. And I'm like, I, <laughs> this is wild. I feel ashamed that I know this and I can't believe I'm talking about this on our podcast. I, I, um, I, I didn't realize that anyone would bother to look up American Girl fan fiction. So that I had a really depressing first... early twenties. That's all I'm going to say about that. I, I'm surprised that we, <laughs> you didn't reveal this information to us back in January when we were looking for hilarious things to share. Oh in my our... god, I forgot. I should. Oh my god. Okay, not next year because MarsCon is unfortunately canceled. But in MarsCon 2022, I'm going to find, like, the dirtiest fucking Felicity and Ben fan fiction. (laughs) And I will fucking read it. (laughs) Like, this is my promise. MarsCon, if you are listening, this is my promise. If you guys come back in 2022, this is what I'm giving you. Um, This is is the realness that I'm bringing you. Um, So anyway... So, okay, but back to the news. So the news is that um, they have a new doll named Courtney. And Courtney is from the 1980s because we are now all so old. And this franchise is now so fucking old that they have a doll for the year that this franchise was released. So what? Oh, it's so fucked up. But it was really funny because, like, a bunch of people who are, like, only familiar with the fact that these are, like, bougie-ass dolls that all cost over $100 um, and all the accessories cost, like, an arm and a leg as well. Um, the They're just like, man, it's really fucked up that, like, 
so so they always give like a little bit about the doll and so she's like she, her name's Courtney and she loves she video loves games she loves Pac-Man at the arcade at the mall <laughs> gag me with a spoon <sighs> and she looks up to the challenger astronauts um for like, oh I got some bad news for you Courtney <laughs> things don't go super great and then there were a bunch of people that were like, this is so messed up. Why would they reference the Challenger in these books? And I was like, oh, no, sweet summer children. That is these books like M.O., OK? Like they love putting in like just really fucked up shit. It's like whatever was like the most horrific thing that could have happened to you during that time period. They're like, and that happened to like either the heroine or her best friend. Yeah. So like, for example... Like, they have, like, truly thing in, like, hashtag things that could not be made today. Um, Addie is one of the original girls. Um, And they made, like, four white dolls before. They were like, oh, I guess, like, we should have a black doll for, like, African-American girls. Um, And so they made her a slave. (laughs) Of course they did. Of course they did. Yeah. Right? So you have, like, Addie the slave. She runs away, and her brother ends up losing a leg because he fights for the Union, right? So, like, these books, these books are dark, okay? (laughs) So the fact that, like, she just sees, you know, the Challenger explode on national news, like, they've done worse, okay? So you've got, like, Addie, you've got Courtney and the AIDS crisis. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, we were joking about that earlier. Like, like, and Uncle Jimmy dies of a mysterious illness. Like, or she has, like, a friend that dies of a bad blood transfusion. She has an older cousin who, uh, who uh, is valiantly wounded, bringing democracy to the poor people of Grenada. (laughs) Oh, God. Courtney and the Iran-Contra affair. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, because it's like, what the fuck else? (laughs) His fucking books. Um, Courtney's uncle works for the School of the Americas. (laughs) (laughs) It's so bad. But like, these books... That's what they do. That's all they do. Like the, the, so yeah, so there's like Addie, Addie is a slave. And then like, finally, like, like 15 years after they release her, they're like, oh, I guess maybe we should have a black girl that's not a slave. So they have one that she's from New Orleans. Mm. Um, It takes, also takes place in the 1800s. Um, These people really love slavery. Like half the book series takes place in like um, enslaved America. Um, well, it's almost the, as if American history is half enslaved America and the other half segregated America and the rest yeah. of it, you know, this. Yeah, this. Is general. Gestures broadly. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, yeah, to be fair, I guess they, they are trying to keep it historically accurate or like as historically accurate as you can for nine year olds. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And Kristen Larson, who's the original, original girl, she is. Um, a Swedish immigrant and on the way over her best friend dies in the boat and they throw her body overboard so that was a thing that happens in the Mm. books Um, what else there's one girl Samantha has a friend who uh, is a child factory worker at the turn of the century and like gets her hair chopped off by a machine so like these books have always been fucked up and dark. And then there's Molly who's like, my mom made me eat turnips one time. And it's like, fuck off, bitch. Like, 
Like, Felicity is out here, like, stopping, like, the governor's plot to take all the gunpowder. Like, like, get it together. I might not have the tap solo in the big red, white, blue pageant. Like, shut up. They, they could have her. They, get they, some they, real trauma, Molly. Oh, uh, fault. Yeah. Anyway, so that's these, <laughs> that's these books. Oh, God, I love these books so much. I shouldn't. I really shouldn't. So I was, I was, tell, I was, at least was explaining this to me earlier. And I was like, so does this mean in like, in 20 more years, we're, we're going to get, we're going to get like, meet Tiffany. Her mom's a big ad executive downtown working in <gasps> working New at York the, City. Working at the, the World Trade Center. The World Trade Center. <laughs> it's the new millennium. And, and, <laughs> oh god damn it the answer is yes and that will happen in our lifetimes <laughs> oh, oh, the worst part is like at the end of every book um they have like an appendix that's like a look back in history and they tell you basically like these are some like real historical facts that we base this story off of. Mm-hmm. And um, for all of the Molly books, and she was the girl that lived during World War II, it was like, ask your grandma about what living like during World War II was like. And I just feel like now it's going to be like, yeah, in the 80s, <laughs> like today, it's going to be like, yeah, ask your grandma. Like, what, what the I- 80s were like what was the aids crisis like and then like like our grandchild will come up to us and be like talk to me about the world trade center i want to know more about 9-11 and i'm gonna be like the, get these fucking dolls out of here <laughs> <laughs> like we're fucking done ask, ask your grandmother what america was <laughs> but we're still making these goddamn dolls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the country is the darkest timeline is like America is gone, but this doll series lives forever. Or or the blessed timeline where America is gone and yet the doll series continues. <laughs> uh, yeah, it really is just a matter of perspective, isn't it? Yeah. Oh god. Uh Yeah. The the world has evolved beyond the need for America. Um, <laughs> but not American girl, girl dolls, dolls no. which focus exclusively on American history. Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, though, like, like listening to this, it, it does sound like American girl doll books are like a way less sanitized version of U.S. history than you get in like the standard U.S. history textbook. Oh my god, you're fucking sure. <laughs> like there, there's some things where they're like they kind of like smooth over misogyny. You know, they kind of like massage that a little bit. Um, massage the misogyny. They, they massage the misogyny, but they'll just be like, "Oh yeah, uh, she's a scar from when she was a child factory worker, <laughs> like, <laughs> and her best friend died." Well, it sounds like uh, we should get jobs writing American Girl doll books. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, nine-year-old me would be so happy. People's history of the American Girl dolls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we put back like now with 50% more misogyny. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> oh gosh. So yeah, um so yeah, there was like the American Girl dolls and then they, there's like a bunch. Like that's the original and then I remember Josefina came out, Josefina came out when I was a kid. Um and her big storyline is colonialism. 
Because <laughs> she's living during the early 1800s in New Mexico. And, <laughs> oh, God. But, and then it was, like, the last one I remember, like, coming out was, like, Caroline, who lived during the 18, War of 1812. They, like, finally had a Jewish girl um, who, like, lives in New York and wants to be an actress. And it's like, oh, okay. Um, and no stereotypes here. Um, but it was really funny because every girl has a Christmas book that's like so-and-so's surprise, like Felicity's surprise, Addie's surprise. And theirs had to be like candlelight. <laughs> and I'm like, bitches, you could have just called it like surprise book. Like she had a Hanukkah surprise. It's fine. Um, but yeah, anyway. Um, so that, that's everything I know about. That's not everything. I know way more about the American Girl doll series, but we have now hit like the 17 minute mark and I am not shut up about this. Do you, do you want to make a video essay about the American Girl dolls? <laughs> Bitch, I might. <laughs> I'm sure they already exist, though. I'm sure they already exist. But they don't have your uh, take. And now for something that has nearly as deep of lore as American <laughs> Girl Dolls. Wait, so are we done? We're, like, done talking I, about American Girl Dolls. I don't know. Dolls. I felt like this was a good time for a transition. But do you want to talk more about the American no, Girl Dolls? No, I think I'm good. I think there's, like, five or six we haven't talked about yet. God damn it. There's so many. They do have an Alaskan native. Um, <laughs> there you go. That's it. And now they have a Hawaiian native. And, like, oh, sometime wow. in the middle, mid, like, 20-teens, they got, like, they're like, oh, yeah, Asian people also live in America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's have an Asian-American girl doll. It's just really funny that they got to, like, four white bitches, and they're like, maybe this is too many white bitches. And they're like, nah, we can have some more. How about, like, a 1930s plucky reporter type? Anyway, now I'm done. Now I am done talking about the American Girl Doll series. <laughs> All right, back to my great transition. <laughs> of... Man, speaking of things that have almost as deep of a lore as the American Girl series, uh, did you see the new Dune trailer, Alex? I oh did see the new Dune trailer. Yes, it looks good. Uh, yeah, it looks it looks like Dune. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I no, you should say bad things about it because Nick is not shut up about how amazing <laughs> it is. I mean, it's what do you think is so amazing about the the Dune trailer? Uh, it's Dune. It's Dune. Um, it's going to be Dune done, hopefully, to justice. At least as close as you can do the book justice in a movie. So it's three-day-long film? <laughs> um, well, they're doing, they are doing it in two parts. So okay. this one is only going to be, like, the first half. So it's going to um, be 24 hours. And then the second one will be 48 hours long and you'll get the whole series, right? Well, I mean, just for the first book. Oh, okay. <laughs> the first, it, the first one is the first half of the first book. Um, so it gets, I know it's going to at least get to the big fight in the siege because they have cast Jameis. So I'm assuming that's probably going to be the, that's going to be the climax. I'm assuming. Um, is the fight between Paul and Jameis. Um, Who's Jameis? He's the Fremen that oh, fights. Oh, okay. Um, I've only seen the, the David Lynch film. I don't, he's, I don't he's know. He's in it. He's in it. He's in it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. When they, Remember when they, they, uh, they escape from the worm and they wind up in the siege and, like, all the Fremen are there and they're like, what the fuck are you doing in our house? Okay. 
that that scene do you remember that part uh yes yes I and do. then like one guy is all like man we don't need these stupid off-worlders taking our water they're gonna slow us down and so like like he and paul end up fighting i don't remember the fight but i believe okay. that it happened yes that's like that's like the that's the way that paul gets like accepted into the tribe basically is he he fights this other fremen um so that's probably going to be what i would imagine like the climax would be for this one um and then the second one is probably going to be like him with the fremen and like the 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 start of the jihad against the uh against the harkonnen um so i don't know i i'm excited for the fact that they are splitting it up into two movies which it probably should be at the very least um i'm excited for the cast like i think the cast is all spot on mm-hmm. um like everyone really looks the part um the only person that i'm maybe kind of concerned for is i'm i'm worried that uh timothy chalamet may be a little bit too dour for paul but i mean honestly that's a that's a minor critique mm-hmm. um the art direction i think looks amazing uh they clearly are like lifting things from like all the versions that kind of came before it uh including in the trailer i was very uh, i was very happy that they were using uh pink floyd music uh because uh, alejandro yordorowski if he had used the version that if he had made the version that he wanted to make would be um would be like would have used uh, Pink Floyd in his movie. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this is someone who like uh, being made by people who really care about all the different versions of this story and uh, want to do it justice. So that's that's why I'm excited for that. Okay. Uh, and I got so excited that I made Elise start watching the uh 2000 mm. sci-fi channel miniseries with me uh so we only like we've only got through the first episode of that but i think you kind of liked it i mean you i think that's you up to elise to decide question. huh i think that's up to our elise to decide oh <laughs> you liked it uh, you kept asking me questions about it uh, because you liked it so much. I don't. I don't think. You know, I mean, I guess as a waifu, I just sort of gave up my ability to have my own opinions. <laughs> don't about what do I that. like and what I enjoy. So, 50, sure. 50% I liked more misogyny. It's <laughs> 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 uh. um, no, well, what, what did you think about it? Because... It's very, it's very early 2000s. It is very early 2000s. It is very early 2000s. It was also just like so much, like, so the CGI is not great. No, it's not. Um, But again, made for TV in the year of our Lord 2000. (laughs) Um, I could kind of see where they were going for it. It was very confusing. Mm -hmm. And like, I have thought, so it's kind of interesting because I'm, right now I'm listening to Newcomers. Um, which is Nicole Byer and um, somebody else. I don't know. 
another comedian and they're reading um or sorry, they're watching Lord of the Rings for the first time. And so they had two seasons. First season was Star Wars, and now this season is um, Lord of the Rings. So they're watching Lord of the Rings for the first time. And they're like, this is so confusing. I don't know what's going on, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I felt like like I watched Lord of the Rings when I was for the first time when I was like 12 or 13. And I was like, I know what's going on. This makes sense, blah, 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 blah. Um, but like truly I have that moment a lot in Dune. So I think the reason why I kept asking questions is, is like, I have no idea what the fuck's going on. Like they just like, they don't explain anything. <laughs> like they just sort of like, it was truly like we made this because it's a popular sci-fi series. It's gonna make us some money. Like, this is before Battlestar Galactica, <laughs> and we need some money for Battlestar Galactica. So, like, let's shit out a Dune series, make some money, and then go make the thing that we actually want to make. And I feel like that's how sci-fi could have treated it. Um, and it's truly just, like, it, it is made for fans of the book. Yeah, that's fair. Like, it is so, so hard. And like I said, like, I'm not somebody that, I like, I think I'm pretty good about, like, following along with plots. Um, but I kept kind of like, and they whispered like, no, like the sound design and the sound engineering in that movie is so fucking God awful. <laughs> like the mixing, that's what it is. The sound mixing is so God awful that it's like, like, even though you can tell that people are talking at like a normal voice, you can barely fucking hear them. I think that's just the and... way that William Hurt acts. I'm pretty sure. Wait, was it just him? It was like everybody. It was like the woman, like the servant woman who's in charge of the household for the, the Atreides. Oh, Mapes. Um, Mapes, yeah. Like, Mapes, it's like you can tell that she's kind of speaking in a normal tone, but like, it's so fucking quiet because the sound mixing is just that bad. <laughs> and like the music and the music is like constantly overpowering the actors and it's just such a fucking mess. And so that's why I had to ask so many questions because it was like literally every five minutes I'm like, who is this? Also, just every fucking person they casted was like generic white, yeah. white guy number three. And they were all just like, except for William Hurt, they were all just like knockoffs of better actors. So it was like, <laughs> like, oh, we couldn't get like I'm trying to think of like some guy like who the who the main guy reminded me of, but it was like, oh, we couldn't get like so and so, so we're stuck with this guy. Um, but, but that was like the other thing that was like really hard because I was like, th there's this old white dude and there's this old white dude, and one of them's good and one of them's bad. And there's so much, like, lore to Dune yeah. that it's really difficult. Like, there were, it, it was, like, every, like, you couldn't not pay attention yeah. to a single line. Because every line was, like, all right, here's, like, this would have taken us, like, 50 pages to describe in the book. And it's three lines of dialogue. Yeah. Hope you figured it out. And I'm, they like, I have <laughs> no idea what is going on. They don't um, have, they don't have so, the, the princess staring at no, you in a blank they void. They don't have the princess staring at you in the blank void, defining all the terms for you. Nor do they have, you know, did you know that like when the, the, the David Lynch movie was originally released, they, uh, with your ticket, you got a fucking like glossary of terms. Bitch, that's what I needed. <laughs> like that's, thank you. I would like that. Like, cause like I would do that. I would read it. Like if Nick, if we lived in like the eighties, 
if I wasn't like a fetus in the eighties, <laughs> like, and Nick was like, we're going to go see this new movie called Dune. Like, I think I would have appreciated that. Like, I'm the kind of asshole that like, when I go to a play, I'll read the notes. Yeah. Read the playbill. You know? Like, like, that's yeah, what it's yeah. There for. Like I'll read the playbill. If like, I saw a movie that came with like a dictionary, I think I would read it. Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah. So that's why like every two, three minutes I was like, who is this? <laughs> what are they? Why aren't they married? So she's a concubine? Like, wait, but like, why can she? And it's like, she can make the gender of her baby happen because she in tune with her body. And I'm like, what the fuck is that nonsense? I'm sorry, you said what now? It's the like, spice. Just everything, the like, spice. if there's a question, also, like, spice did it. <laughs> also, everybody has these really horrific, um, like, CGI blued eyes. Yeah, the effects for that are not great. <laughs> So I will say there there are some things I I have a soft spot in my heart for the terrible 2000s miniseries. I have not watched it in a long long time. I have watched the David Lynch version. Actually, I watched the the Alan Smithy version of the David Lynch version probably the most of all of the the different versions of Dune. Um but I've got a soft spot in my heart for that 2000 miniseries cuz I was I was in eighth grade when that came out and I was a huge fan of the books and I was excited to be getting like a new version of it. Um, and I remember I made like, I made a big tray of cinnamon rolls and I sat down and I watched the first episode when it came out in, in the year 2000, right before, like, like uh, it was like, I think it was like in December. So it was like so the halcyon days before nine oh, eleven. Yeah, the halcyon days, <laughs> everything changed after nine eleven. Every everything changed. Stop getting after. Dune sequels. Actually, no, we didn't because then uh, Children of Dune miniseries came out like three years later. Oh Jesus fucking Christ! Um, which is honestly, it's the better series. Um, it's got a better lead actor. We should like, have the let the terrorist win. Which is, <laughs> which is code for he's going to make you watch it, at least. I know. Uh, I'm thinking I know. about getting. I don't own oh it currently, God. but I am Thank thinking about you, getting Lord. it. <laughs> Because uh, I looked it up and like the the Blu-ray is like twenty bucks. I'm like I can spare that. Um, and I have this is like we are at this like level of wealth <laughs> where it, you're just like and it, I say level of wealth with like a wink and because we're not, but um, where it's like yeah like twenty bucks is like yeah I could do it. It's only twenty bucks. When you start saying it's only twenty bucks is like. I don't know. That's like a level of middle class that I did not know was achievable when I was like 23. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, <laughs> well, good also for inflation. you. Congratulations mm. to the two of you. One day, Thanks. maybe I'll get to the point where 20 bucks will just be, oh, it's just 20 bucks. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But we, we started watching that. We're probably going to, now that we finished Cora, uh, we're probably going to go back and finish that at some point did you uh, uh speaking of dune 2000 because i look I, I type in dune 2000 in a video game oh the up. video game yes uh, apparently there's a remake or re-release of that that came out this year so i don't Ooh. know if you had any interest in playing rts it, Dune. it's an rts i definitely i definitely still own my copy for the mm-hmm. playstation one um <laughs> And he still owns a PlayStation One. Uh, somewhere, buried yeah. somewhere in our shit. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's pretty good. Um, it's, it has like those command and conquer style, um, uh, like, what is the word? Um, full motion video 
like cutscenes. So it's like actors in makeup doing mm. the cutscenes. And I think John Rhys Davies plays the Mentat for House Atreides, which <laughs> is pretty cool. Um, so you can play in that one. It's uh, you can play as either House Atreides, House Har- Harkonnen, and then there's like another house that I think is mentioned very briefly in the books, but like is like mu- not much of anything, and I can't remember what they're called. Ordos, like, or yes, Ordos. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And they're like symbols of snake, and they have like their mentat is just creepy as fuck. Like, he looks like the the Guildman from the the David Lynch movie, and just speaks in this weird monotone. It's just it, it skeeved me out. Like it's just weird. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that game is that game is actually pretty great. The um, uh, the prequel to that, the first one, Dune mm-hmm. Battle for Arrakis, I think is what it's called. Yeah, is or maybe no, it, it might be Dune Two. Mm-hmm. Is because I think the original Dune video game was like like a text based adventure, but I think Dune Two was actually the very first real time strategy game. Yes, if yes, it was. If I'm remembering correctly, well, it it's yeah. a, it definitely set the standard for what real time strategy games would be, if not the very first. It's kind of the genre defining game. Yeah. Anyway, I'm excited. I'm very mm-hmm. excited. I, I picked up, um, I started rereading the book a few years ago, and I set it down because I ran out of time, to, to, and I just never picked it back up. Mm-hmm. So I pick it back up again from where I left off. Um, and that book, the, the movies and, like, the adaptations, like, so one of the things that at least kept, like, stopping it to talk about would be, like, well, wait, why are we supposed to like these people? And I had to keep saying, like, well, you're not supposed to like them. <laughs> like, they're, they're... I know, wacky elites, <laughs> that they're crazy ideas. Like, your protagonist is supposed to be likable. I mean, the protagonists are likable, but they're not, like, they're not good people. Does that make sense? Like, because it's, it's all about, like, the systems are fucked up. And, like, even a good person in a bad system ends up doing bad things. Is this about cops? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's... I mean, it's very... It is very, um... Like, critical of the idea of... You know, this is a... It's it's more of... Honestly, like, it's more of a... Warning against, like, 2008 Barack Obama, I feel like, than anything else. Okay. Because it's like, yeah, he's a charismatic person, and people like him, and you he seems like he's a good person, but at the end of the day... The system is corrupt, and he's going to do bad things because it is what is expected of him. He's still going to drone strike host children's hospitals. He's still going to yeah. go forward with the Dakota Access Pipeline. Which, um, I mean, if you read, like, Dune Messiah, is absolutely stuff that, like, Paul would do once he became <laughs> emperor. Mm-hmm. Um, Spoiler alert. Yeah. Just kidding. Yeah, no, but so, I don't care. <laughs> uh, but no, it's and and it and it really comes out in the books more than in the movies that have come out so far. Like the film, the the, the filmed adaptations of it. Like, there's a line in it that I totally didn't get when I read this book for the first time in middle school. But it's after um, there's the hunter seeker tries to kill Paul. 
like Paul and his father are having a discussion and Paul's like, but you're so great. Everybody loves you. And he's like, yeah, I have one of the greatest public relation branches, like in the lands rot. Like I have really good propaganda. <laughs> Man, I can't wait for Oscar Isaac to say that line though. Yeah. Cause that'll be sexy as hell. <laughs> right. Like, yum. Uh Anyway, uh, sorry. <laughs> and he basically and he basically is like, yeah, most of the spice like money we've been bringing in since we came to this planet has been used to buy film stock so we can make propaganda films to let all the people know how great of a leader I am to them cuz otherwise they wouldn't know. And it's like that's that's it. Like and the fact that that scene is not in like any film adaptation of this book is like that's why nobody has really gotten it so far is mm. because that scene is like the thesis of the entire series. It's like, don't trust your leaders. <laughs> they don't have your best interest at heart. They have their own best interest at heart. And sometimes those might align with yours, but usually they don't. Mm. Uh, anyway, it's a, it's good. I'm, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that this adaptation doesn't disappoint. Well, here's hoping. I'm probably going to watch it myself. I know that, um, I mean, I haven't read the books. I really don't plan on it, but it, it's Dune. It sounds like it'll be fun. A fun, you know, light romp through space and spice and worms. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh, and now I keep just pointing out things like, is that the worm? Is that the worm? <laughs> I'll see pictures of Worm and I'll be like, it's Dune, Nick. Look, Nick, it's Dune. Because Nick does that to me. We have um, all the fucking time. likes of which God has never seen. Yeah, is it going to have, like, great, great quotes like that? Was that Were those lines just in the, the David Lynch film? Or are those, like, I, taken from the book? I think there there's something similar in the book. I don't know if it's exactly word for word. Like, this is why I, I do, like I said, I've got, like, I've got a soft spot in my heart for the filmed versions because while they miss a lot of stuff, there is stuff there that's like really good. Mm -hmm. Like, like all of the crazy, like house Harkonnen shit is like pure Lynch, <laughs> like, you know, the heart plugs and stuff. And it's like, that's a great, that is a great addition. <laughs> mm -hmm. The fucking like naked cat <laughs> that they <laughs> give to, uh, that they give to, um, Thufer, like mm -hmm. after House Atreides falls, it's like that's not in the book. It's weird as hell, and it totally fits in this universe, though. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um. <sighs> yeah. And I love the 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 dumb as hell costumes in the uh, in the miniseries version, because they are truly god awful, and I kind of love them. <laughs> like when uh. Princess Irulan walks in wearing like a million butterflies on her head. Elise was like, "What the hell is that?" And I'm like, "It is the best costume. <laughs> it is my. It is like honestly one of my favorite parts of the entire miniseries because it is so dumb." Yeah, that was the other thing that I had to keep stop. Like, who are the pilots? Why does this work? How does this? Okay, but like, if I just want to take like a hop from like Dune to the next planet over, like, do I have to get one of these like crazy looking fucks to like? bend space and time for me and then the answer is no and i was like this is so dumb um 
<laughs> not like this is so dumb. I don't know. I will make, I'll, I'll probably watch it. I'm sure I will love it. I'm sure I will see the new movie and I will enjoy it. But I was thinking about this earlier and, and also like listening to the newcomers podcast with Nicole Byer. Um, I had a, like a really sad realization, mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> which is like, I just don't experience like wonder at movies anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I think, feel like you know because i was so young and impressionable when i watched lord of the rings for the first time i became obsessed with it and Mm -hmm. it's like i don't i just don't feel like i get that feeling anymore with (laughs) movies and it's like even like with the mcu and with the marvel movies and everything i'm just like that was like a fun movie but i don't i mean i don't become like i'm not obsessed with it in the way that like the Lord of the Rings and it felt like a whole world of like cinema was opening up to me you know what though might be an unpopular opinion I feel like that's fair I feel like just objectively speaking Lord (laughs) of the Rings is filled with more wonder than the MCU movies Mm. oh no doubt like yeah no the I I, it's a hard agree on my part there too yeah yeah okay I'm glad I'm not in the minority for that because it's like yeah obviously (laughs) (laughs) But it's, you know, I think of, like, all of, like, the blockbusters that have come out, and it's, like, none of them, I, I don't know, like, I just feel like. There there like have been, I, go, yeah. sorry, go ahead. You um, know, but, it, you know, like, the first time you see Lord of the Rings, and you <laughs> feel all of these amazing feelings, or, like, the first time, like, you saw Star Wars, and you feel, you know, and now it's, like, I'm 31, and I'm just, like, ugh, gonna go see the Dune movie with my husband, because. That's being in a heteronormative relationship, I guess. So, so um. I'm I'm thinking to the Marvel movies, and I'm thinking that yeah, pretty much all of like the MCU movies kind of like that because they are. I, I don't want to say like, like I, I don't know. It's it's they're boring. It, it, it's <laughs> you can uh, say it. what's the word I'm looking for? It's uh pro media. It's it's like yeah. um, but there was one that I, I had wonder at and that mm. was into the spider-verse oh yeah yeah I, I wasn't thinking about that one because it doesn't like it's not in the extended mcu but yeah, yeah, yeah no you're you're 100 right if i did have to pick one from like that the the regular like the the live action mcu it would be like the guardians of the galaxy movies kind of kit or like maybe thor ragnarok mm-hmm. kind of hit that mm. because but it's like with none of these movies, like with Lord of the Rings, like I started, you know, I saw Fellowship of the Ring. I started reading The Hobbit that night. Mm-hmm. And like we own like a fair number of comics. Yeah. Um, But I like that, like any of the MCUs, any of the like DC movies, any of those. I mean, granted, the new DC movies are They're terrible. Good. <laughs> um, But even like The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises, like. Well, because they don't. I'm sorry like I, I I I just don't feel like the need to like go back to the source material or like learn more about the making of these films, you know, like wh- whereas like when I was a a kid, and so I guess for me, I'm trying to say like I feel like this is like a stage of adulthood, um, mm. where it's just kind of like eh, it was a thing that I I I forgot about my life for three hours. <laughs> I'll I'll say it I'll say it like this because I think you bring up an interesting point. Um, here's here's my take on that the the mcu does that in reverse um where 
the comics have all the great ideas and then the movies take like references to those great ideas and throw them into the movies so that people like myself can go, Oh, that's Howard the duck, <laughs> which you know what? I, at the end of that movie, I was very excited to see Howard the duck. Cause I know like, it's like, it's like a, it's like a, um, I saw the thing and I clapped. I, no, kind of. But like the reason why I saw the thing and I clapped is a thing, at least for me. And I'm sure for most people who do like experience that feeling is because, oh shit, there's a whole big backstory to this thing in this book that I love. And I would love for them to explore that idea in the book or in the movies. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not... It's not meant to elicit wonder in and of itself. It's meant to call back to something that you are that the audience is already the audience that's already familiar with it already experienced their wonder for that. And so you don't need to experience it again. Just remember how this thing made you feel the first time you were aware of it. Like the new Star Wars movies have that thing too. Remember the first time you saw that lightsaber activate? Like, it's Luke Skywalker's lightsaber. Aren't you excited to see it? Remember that feeling of wonder that you had from that? Um, and Lord of the Rings doesn't do that because Lord of the Rings is not a... It's not a fan film, I guess. Like, the, the MCU movies, in a lot of ways, are, like, fan films in that they are films that are made exclusively... Well, largely for people who are already fans of the comics. Like, they're not really meant to... Um, introduce people to that universe. Does that make sense? Yeah. Whereas I feel like with Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings was a movie or a series of movies that was made by someone who did experience that feeling from reading the books and wanted to recreate the feeling of reading the books for the people watching the movie who weren't familiar with it. And ended up in doing so, introducing so many more people to the books and to right. the world. And into other kind of fantasy genre stuff. So, but to to your point, Elise, um, one thing, one other thing that I want to add to that. So, for me, I don't remember how young I was the first time I watched Star Wars. I don't remember my first time watching Star Wars. Star Wars has always been a factor in my life. So. I don't really think I have that. I, I don't remember that feeling of wonder that I felt the first time I watched it because I literally don't remember the first time I watched it. I remember probably the 50th time that I watched it as a kid and still <laughs> loving it, but that's not exactly the same feeling. Mm -hmm. um, and the same for Lord of the Rings. When I watched Lord of the Rings, I loved those movies, but I had already read The Hobbit and I had already read The Lord of the Rings. So it wasn't a new feeling for me. Mm -hmm. But the first time that I watched David Lynch's Dune, I was old enough to remember the first time I watched it. I was, I was younger than 10, um, but old enough to kind of vaguely remember the feeling of it. Um, and I, that, that's the thing for me. Yeah. Where it's like, holy shit, what is this? <laughs> uh, and... Yeah, like, the confusion for me is part of it. Where it's like, how the fuck does this work? What yeah. is any of this stuff? What does this mean? Like, because I was... 
I don't remember exactly what age I was, but I was definitely young enough um, that I didn't fully, like, I knew basically where babies come from, but I didn't understand the full, like, process, you know? Um, like, I had a younger sister, and I remember what it was like when my mom was pregnant. Um, but on the other hand, it was also, like, when they have the line about, like, oh, Jessica, you were supposed to have a girl, but you had a boy because of the Duke. And I was like, is that how that works? Probably is. <laughs> so you just, like, assumed, like, you were like, oh. Yeah. My parents wanted a girl, you so know, my, my mom made you know a what? girl happen. Checks out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I think I, I love that. I feel I like that. I feel like that's kind of where I was. Like I was that just the right age because, like, looking at it now objectively, that movie is not a good movie. <laughs> but I absolutely fell in love with it. And then when I was in middle school, um, I had several friends who had read the books, and I was like, "There are books. There's more to this story." And mm-hmm. so, like, that's when I started reading the series. And I got to the fourth book in the series and basically stopped there um, and have tried for the rest of my life up till this point to try to get through that fourth book. And it still has not happened. Uh, but one day, one day, one day, I will get to the ones that come after it that aren't as good, but that that fourth book sets up and I've never read. <laughs> um, but yeah. Tangentially related. So I was thinking about it when Nick was talking. Um, I think so we're talking about like like uh, movies that inspire wonderment and you as an adult probably Detective Pikachu mm. yes absolutely yeah 100%, 100%. absolutely yeah. yeah and but it was like you got to see something new something novel because it was like you were familiar with all of these creatures as cartoons mm-hmm. and now you get to see them here's what it would be like in a world that you're kind of familiar with yeah yeah i could see that so like i experience like wonder and excitement it... um especially when that trailer dropped and i was mm-hmm. like oh so um i guess that's yeah i guess that's it like a movie Oh yeah, but like, and both of those—it's sad that we're naming a bunch of kids. See, but both of those, <laughs> both of those are work because, again, like Lord of the Rings, those are both movies that are clearly made by people that, like us, grew up with those original properties and have like a deep love for it, and want to do it justice. And not made by like five people on a council of of people that makes money for Disney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which again, going back to going back to the the Marvel movies, that's why um Thor Ragnarok and the Guardians of the Galaxy movies are the best movies in that in that entire universe because those are two movies that were made by people who clearly did love what they were talking about. Um like and you can point to the other things that those people have made and be able to say, oh yeah, obviously they're comic book fans and like obviously they have a reverence for the source material. Taiki Watiti, go figure. Huge nerd. Huge nerd, um. right? Like, and um, oh God, why am I blanking on his name? The, this is the second Oh, time. Gunn. Yeah, James Gunn. Yeah. Um, James Gunn, clearly like, you know, someone who not just has a love for like, ridiculous and like offbeat stuff but like a love for movies in general right like someone who you know their first uh movie like their first job is in a feature film was writing a movie for trauma 
clearly has a love for making movies and like wants people to like experience <laughs> something when watching it. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's definitely something to that. And then like, like JJ Abrams clearly is just there for a paycheck. Yeah. Which again, if we're looking at those Star Wars movies, Last Jedi is great. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like, that's a film. I, I, and this is a, this is a joke from a mystery science theater episode. And every time there's like a movie that comes out in a franchise series that is actually kind of amazing. Um, it's always done by someone who has proven themselves in some other way. And so I just think about the, this line, which is uh, in the, in the future, can we make it a law that films should be made by filmmakers? <laughs> <laughs> like, man, when I, when I walked out of, uh, I thought that when I walked out of last Jedi, like comparing last Jedi to the force awakens. And I thought it again, walking out of uh, rise of Skywalker <laughs> comparing rise of skywalker to the last jedi like can we just make it so that from now on films are made by filmmakers Mm. and anyway going back to the the dune thing that's god damn it but i'm just like wrapping wrapping it up there's no escape you can never be free wrapping it up that's one of that is why i am excited for this version because um denny villeneuve is a great filmmaker and I have loved every one of the movies that he is, that I've seen from him so far, like Blade Runner 2049, uh, Arrival. Uh, oh shit. It's the guy that did Arrival? Yes. Oh, I guess I'm going to like it. Yeah. <laughs> I loved Arrival. Right? It was so good. And Blade Runner 2049 <laughs> is also a movie that it's like, when Whoops. it came out, I'm like, oh, that shouldn't exist. And then I watched it and I'm like, oh, that was really good. So, I don't know. Hopefully I'll think the same thing for Dune. Uh, but yeah, that's that's where I'm at with that. We're, we've been talking for almost an hour. We haven't even gotten to Korra yet. Oh, Jesus. We have like two <laughs> seasons of Korra to talk about. Well, let's talk about The Legend of Korra. Korra. Um, so, season three is good. I like season, season three. three. You like season three? I like season three a lot. Um, they, I felt like it really hit its stride. Mm-hmm. Um, it had the best villain in the series. Uh, okay. If you take away the part that, like, the whole thing with, like, wait, why does he want to kill the Avatar? Because I didn't understand what it was for a while because they weren't explaining his motivation. And then they got to the part where they explained his motivation and I still didn't understand it. So, like, it, I think the reasoning is, like, because at first he didn't want to kill, like, when he kidnapped her when she was a child... The idea was like to train her in the ways of the Red Lotus. Are we and sure now, that that's true? Like, because I thought that that was a lie. I mean, who knows? Honestly, at that point, who really knows? Um, but yeah, I don't know. So my headcanon to make that season make sense mm-hmm. is that like he was going to like they kidnapped her when you were when she was a kid, so they could train her in the ways of the Red Lotus. And now that she's an adult, because she is. Yeah, she's like a fucking adult in the third season. Or close enough. Or like, yeah, she's like 17 or 18. Um, there's no way that they can go back and brainwash her. So I think the idea was like, well, we just got yeah. an offer. Um, so that because... way we can start the... So that way we can start the Avatar cycle again and we'll get the next kid 
and will brainwash the next kid for the Red Lotus. Okay. Well, I think they, that's... But they wanted to do it while she's in the Avatar state, yeah, they so they wanted to end, end the Avatar cycle. Oh, just kidding. So there no, is no more next know. kid. Yeah, so I guess it was like, well, we we fucked it up. We couldn't kidnap her, so now we're just going to destroy because chaos is the natural order of things. And if we have an Avatar, then she'll eventually, him or he or she will eventually bring balance to things, and we can't have that because anarchy means uh, means means chaos because this was written by, by a neoliberal capitalist <laughs> and basically. doesn't know what anarchy is but and, and that okay. was that's probably the part that made it like this this is why it doesn't make sense <laughs> because, because it's like yeah when when you're a leftist looking at media that has leftists <laughs> as villains and yeah. like, Wait you're like that's not what that means what the fuck is going on what are you talking about <laughs> like like, I don't know. I think you could probably see, like, there's there's actually a few, like, anarchist-based justifications I could think of for having a person like the Avatar exist in the world. Like, those two things really aren't mutually exclusive. <laughs> and it's also, like, you get introduced to, like, Prince Wu, and it's just sort of like, was he really? Yeah. Like, like maybe they are better <laughs> off with um without, like, a leader in the earth kingdom yeah. like maybe that's fine if it's, we can all just be cool like um, we get four whole seasons of like the show just showing us you know uh, leaders are incompetent 100 yeah, of leaders are either incompetent or evil or they're just dads or they're wait which one is just oh like tenzin like tenzin and Korra's dad yeah mm. i guess i mean tenzin the air nomads like don't really work in the system of like, uh, like like nation states mm -hmm. because it's like well Tenzin's like like you I have five again, again <laughs> and the other three are children. Yeah, looking at it from like the 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 view of like if you're looking at it from an anarchist perspective, it's like okay, well this is a hierarchy that makes sense because yeah, in the first season there's literally five of you and <laughs> like. Four of them are kids. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yes, clearly the adult is the one that should be in charge in this situation. Like, that is a justifiable hierarchy. Mm -hmm. Or, like, um, even later on when it's like we get all those other airbenders showing up, it's like, okay, well, we have one who's been an airbender for his entire life and, like, knows how to do all this stuff. And then you have, like, a whole bunch of people who got these powers, like, yesterday and need to be taught. Like, mm -hmm. that's, that's justifiable. But it's like there's nothing to suggest that like once the rest of the the new air nomads all like finish their training, like Tenzin is going to be remaining the one in charge, mm -hmm. like because the old air nomads didn't work that way. Yeah, like they had like a, a little council kind of group of people. Right. Yeah. Um. Which I think is like what they're trying to do with like why you're constantly cutting back to like everybody being in the council and every like type of bender type of person, I guess gets like represented at the table. But then it's like, it would be nice if there was like a non couple of non benders um, to also represent people's interest. So like, I, yeah, like it, like the show, the show is building a thesis <laughs> that is contrary to their villain mm -hmm. of their third season, yeah, which We're is like, man, cooperation is good. And like leaders, like people who, you know, are just driven by power are like, 
incompetent at best and evil at worst. And <laughs> But then I like how in the fourth season, there's Toph. And Toph is like, none of these people, she was like, none of these people had bad ideas. She was like, think about what they wanted. They wanted like spiritual awakenings and they wanted equality and they wanted freedom. She was like, but the way that they're going about it is bad. Which I thought was like... It's it's a very like centrist view, but it's, yeah, it, it, is. it is kind of tossing a bone to like, but they're not wrong though. It's yeah. the communism is right on paper kind of argument. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I will I will the, say though. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say. Uh, I, I keep going back to the the like the the politics bending videos essays that mm. I watched, and thinking about season three where it was like talking about how having having anarchy as like a performative ideology as opposed mm. to an actual anarchy where you would go about say building communities and meeting the people that you're going to try to help liberate whereas yeah. no they're just going to kill the earth queen tear down the wall and like not try to build up what are they called? Uh, mutual assistance, like yeah. any type of organizi- organizing at all. Uh, it's just, uh, nope. Just yeah. gonna like come. He... It, it's, the, it's the literal, um, it's the literal um, example that we get fed nowadays from our government, which is out of town anarchists coming and causing trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I was gonna say it's like every asshole on like leftist Twitter that just yells at you. Um. <laughs> Uh, I I think the thing that I pre- that I did appreciate the most about that character there are two things that I really did love about that character. Mm-hmm. For, first thing, I love the voice actor that they get for him. Do you mm-hmm. know who plays that character, Alex? No, I don't know. Okay, that's it, Zahir, right? The Zahir, yeah. yeah. Zahir Zahir is played by Henry Rollins. Um, okay. And Henry Rollins was the lead singer for the hardcore punk band uh, Black Flag in the 1980s. Okay. Uh, and has since gone on to be, like, like a spoken word artist and, like, you know, just, like, basically makes a living as a speaker. Like, a, like a, he's, he's really, like, if you look him up, like, he, this is the, the pinnacle of, like, gimmick casting. <laughs> because if you look up a picture of Henry Rollins, he looks exactly like Zaheer when he gets his head shaved. <laughs> like they look exactly the same. Um, and so it's a really good choice. I, I love the way that he plays the character because he does like, he delivers all of his lines in this kind of very like mellow, thoughtful way, which is <laughs> something that, like Henry Rollins is kind of known for with his spoken word stuff. Like he's a great spoken word artist. Mm -hmm. Um, But he also like joined the band because when they came through town on a tour, they had another person as their singer who didn't really want to be the singer. Um, And he jumped up on stage because he just loved their music so much and Mm -hmm. like sang one of the songs. And they were like the next day, like tracked him down. We're like, Hey, do you want to go on tour with us? (laughs) Um, that's awesome so so like that's it's a great choice to play that role like it's absolutely spot on perfect one thing that i love about that character second thing that i love about the character is that when he shows back up in season four 
it's kind of like, yeah, he's not totally wrong about this stuff. <laughs> like, there's a fair amount of... the They, they do kind of toss... Like, the writers kind of toss him a bone because I feel like they realize... Again, the reason why he wanted to kill the Avatar like doesn't make that much sense if you think about it for like five seconds. Because mm-hmm. it's like... If you want to tear down divisions between people that were like, you know, based on these nations and these styles of bending, someone who doesn't belong to any one nation and who can do all forms of bending is a pretty good like symbol for that idea. Mm -hmm. So why would you destroy it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It really bothered me that that like his reason was and then we'll kill you because chaos anyway I, th- I think like his reasoning for it was that like she essentially he sees the avatar as a power that does not have any accountability to anybody outside of herself it, which yes but yes and no yeah. and so that's kind of what his his logic was whether that's you know good or not is probably not but that's that's from what I was understanding of his arguing, essentially. Yeah. I don't know if... And this was kind of something that I was thinking about while watching it. Where, you know, it's, it's unjustifiable hierarchy. That's the problem. If there's, like, a literal, like, god <laughs> that has ordained someone, it's like... Okay, especially like because they're they're not accountable to anyone, but also no one's accountable to the avatar. Like they their whole thing is going around like helping people, but they have no like earthly authority, really. Mm-hmm. Like think about how many times in the series it's like the avatar, whether that's Korra or Aang or anyone is like, "Hey, we should do this." And then the, like, the secular authorities are just like, nah, we're going to do this other thing. And the Avatar is just like, well, <laughs> got to go with that because I have nothing really to back up. Like, that's all That's all of Avatar Roku's storyline. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's, I, it's, it was just... Like, I see what you're saying, and that is probably mm-hmm. the way that the the writers would say that the character justified it. Mm-hmm. But just watching it as someone who, like, has an understanding of, like, anarchist thinking, it's like, that doesn't... What? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Just take him aside and be like, dude, read theory. <laughs> <laughs> Have you read Cup Park? Kropotkin? Yeah, have you read Kropotkin? I just don't really feel like you can have an opinion about this if you haven't have, read Kropotkin. Have you read Bakunin? <laughs> <laughs> Ignore the anti-Semitism stuff, just like the rest of it. But uh. um, but then we move on past anarchism, and we see the reaction. We see Capital's reaction to the movements mm-hmm. of the left in the form of fascism. Yes. In season four. Which I thought fascism was season two, but I guess they just wanted to double. I guess maybe that's colonialism. Season two, season two was kind of colonialism, kind of like, um, I would argue like theocracy Mm. in a sense, because it's. Yeah. Okay. I could see that. mm -hmm. 
using this like taking the the spirits as like the the religious aspect of this world and uh yeah so thoughts on uh kuvira and season four i'm unrelated to like the political aspect of it because like obviously like punch every fascist you see Mm -hmm. um but it was a little bit of a step down in quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't entirely the fault of the showrunners. Like, it was clearly... Like, it was very obvious from just the way that season four looked that they did not have the budget that oh, they had God. to rest in the show. There's well, they had so to spend all that budget on the CGI uh, on the CGI robot. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also, like, there's so many stills. And I was, like, reading an interview, and they were like, yeah, that's why... Like, it's it gets, like, a cut, like, somewhere after, like, the third episode. Like, it was while it, the show was airing, or, like, while they were trying to do it in production, they got their budget slashed, and they were like, yeah, that's why, like, in ATL, you get the Ember Isle players, and in this, you got a fucking clip show, because um, we had to save a bunch of money. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, that's that's rough, buddy, uh, to quote Zuko. <laughs> um I did like yeah. I did like the bit of the clip show where it was the the Oh my god, all the villains know, on the the phone with each other. Yeah, I enjoyed that part. That was pretty yeah. great. Uh, like, uh, was who played um who played Amon? Was it Scott Blum? He's like a really well known voice. He's the same guy who played Spike Spiegel in Cowboy Bebop. So like having him and Henry Rollins like just like playing off of each other, it was just like <laughs> this is it's good. Uh, it's, and the way the it's really strong. The way they're like, oh, yeah, and Unalak. Oh, yeah. God, him. Like, I, I love that, too, because it's like even the writers acknowledge it. Like, it was kind of like an Ember Island players moment where, like, the writers were kind of pointing out the things that didn't work in previous seasons. Where it's like, oh, yeah, Unalak, like the weakest villain in the yeah. entire series. <laughs> like, in terms of motivation and personality. Mm. And you kind of, like, got glimpses for how that would have been done, like, that episode if they had had the money. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, whereas, like, I think they would have tried to do something, like, the, with the movers or, like, how um, at the beginning, truly, like, that's probably a lot of money to have that voice actor do the episode recap plus to, ana- like, to go over the animation with the sepia mm-hmm. yeah. filter. Like, like I, and I gotta say, like, I love that. That's like one of my favorite things about Legend of Korra um, aesthetically, but like, man, that was like a lot of money. <laughs> but I think by, by the time they roll around to the fourth season, it's like, well, we can't cut this. Um, so that way we can have this other episode. Um, you know, like people have give the people what they want. Um, <laughs> so, before we start seriously talking about Kavira, can I just make a quick pivot? Sure. Go for it. Pivot away. Okay. So I used to be on the, like, no, Asami and Korra were always lesbians train. But then it's in season three or season four. And I completely forgot that this conversation happens between the two of them. But they're driving in the car. It's season three. They're like driving in the car together. And it's like, hey, I'm sorry I made out with Mako when you were dating him. And it's like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry I made out with Mako when you were dating him. And then they just blow past that. And I am like, 
only bisexuals talk like that. <laughs> like, as a bisexual, I'm like, I felt very seen by that scene. Because, like, I have gone to so many weddings. <laughs> I have, like, like, slept or made out with, like, the bride and or the groom. And I still got invited to and, the wedding. And, like, at least, at least one, one other of member bride. of the wedding party. So you have to add that part in where it's the bride or the groom and one other member of the wedding party. And it's I, one of the bridesmaids or one of the groomsmen. Wouldn't tell you it's both. Um, <laughs> but it's like, I feel like only, only bisexuals carry this sort of like energy. <laughs> I'm just like, oh yeah, we made out. Okay, whatever. <laughs> we can still be friends. I don't give a shit. Like... Truly, like, and then, like, I saw that and I was like, oh, no, they're disaster buys. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I can, I can get on this. Like, because I had completely forgotten that that conversation happened. And then I rewatched it and I was like, oh, yeah, they are canonically by. <laughs> you yeah. know what? This makes sense. <laughs> I, I will say that that is, like, I knew it was coming and I'm not going to be like, like angry that it like that it happened because like I know that it's expanded way more in the comics. I kind of felt like the bit at the end sort of came out of nowhere, and I'm sure that most of that was from like Nickelodeon censorship, where yeah. it's like they we can't have them having a budding relationship. I mean, oh no, there's like throughout a season of four, there are a few moments of like, oh look, they're they're looking at each other, they're making comments, and there's a like li- like little things here and there. Yeah. Like I think there was the one where Asami says like, oh I like how like I like your hair, mm-hmm. and like Korra blushes. Yeah, but it's like, I don't I don't know. It's it's, not, what, like, it's it's not, what they could get away with in twenty four. It's what they could get away with. I guess it was like five years ago at this point or whatever. And like it was before Steven Universe was Steven Universe. And mm. it was before like uh like um She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. But it's like looking at it now, it's like very it's very tame. And, like, a little bit, like, wait, that's all the development that this relationship got? Yeah. Like, it's tame. I could see it's, like, how it could be interpreted as, like, tame to the point of being obtuse. Yeah. Um, But I think if you know what you're looking for. Right. And and certainly on the rewatch. Because I was one of those people where I remember watching it the first time and being like, wait, what? These two characters are together? Um, and then the second time around, I was like, oh, yeah, no, they're totally, they're totally DTF. Like, <laughs> this I, is happening. But I was looking for it. Like, I'm going to say, because I know that they wound up together at the end. Yeah, And I know yeah. that, like, the comics deal with it. And this, and that's so why I was just like. Well, you're I also was, straight. No, nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I was looking for it throughout that the That might series. be part of it, too, though. That, like, not going to lie. <laughs> but I mean, little- like. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna bring it back to our uh, our book club episode of mm. uh, uh, "Long Way to a Small Angry Planet," and my entire time reading that book, I was just like, "When is the when is the accountant girl and the and the lizard pilot? When are they going to bone? The lizard when lady. When is it gonna happen?" <laughs> Because it was like those two. I need that hot girl on lizard action. Well, it was not that I needed it. It's just that they obviously had chemistry from like the first time that they appeared in a scene together. 
Mm-hmm. And so I was just like waiting half the book for them to finally make it official. You know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. like... To be fair, Asami has like chemistry with the brick walls. That's true. In that show. That, that she, is true. She has chemistry with like the the matte backgrounds like, that they use. I don't know. Cora mm-hmm. doesn't. Is kind of, I guess, the... Oh, no, the... she's an awkward disaster vibe. That's true. Asami is also a disaster vibe. Okay. Like, it's, but she's less know, awkward about it. I know our people, okay? <laughs> <laughs> like... But, I, I don't know. I just want to break, make this point again. Long Way to a Small Angry Planet, you have, like, the same matchup, where it's, like, the awkward bookish girl and the, just, like, the the polyamorous pansexual, <laughs> like, who just Sex has pot. chemistry with everyone. You know, like, and I was like, okay, no, they're going to wind up together. It's just, I don't know. I was looking for it. I was waiting for it to happen. And then, like, when it did happen, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. They wind up together. But it's very, like, there are just a handful of scenes in that season that kind of lead up to it. And then it happens, and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. The fact that they don't get a kiss is bullshit. But, again, it's it's pretty bullshit. It's 2014 Nickelodeon. Yeah. Yeah. But at least they hold hands. Like that's a that's that's nice. <laughs> that's nice. More finger guns, though. You need more finger guns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. She gets a lot of thumbs up. So you know. That's true. That's true. <laughs> she's a thumbs up bisexual. <laughs> finger guns, and she's nasty. I'm just kidding. Um, so so yeah, I just wanted to say that. <laughs> um. I don't know. Do we have anything to say other than that? I no, we like... got to talk about Kuvira. I know. We got to talk about Kuvira. Can we, can we not, though? <laughs> I don't I don't know. Alex is really looking forward to talking about Kuvira. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should just let her talk about Kuvira. Yeah, what do you think about Kuvira, Alex? Because I just... I think... What do I think about Kuvira? I think... So, again, I'm, I'm going to bring up these videos that, that you haven't watched yet. Um, yeah. And I'm sorry about that. They're on but, the docket. We'll get to them. Yeah. But basically, like, Kuvira, of course, represents fascism, as understood by neoliberals. Um, And so it's not necessarily, like, a whole lot of, like, class struggle resulting in fascism. It's just kind of, well, there's chaos and a strong man leads the top, or a strong woman leads the top. Um, But compare the way that Kuvira is, like, dealt with compared to the other villains. Like... Where it's, like, she's she's kind of... She's uh, kind of like, redeemed. Yeah. And, like, yeah. treated with kid gloves. Whereas, like, um... What's his name? Aman ends up dead. And Unalak ends up dead. And Zahir ends up imprisoned for the rest of his life. But uh, Kavira, I mean, she's probably going to prison. She's probably going to go on trial, but she's treated sympathetically. And that is very on brand for, a, you know, yeah. American viewing of it. Yeah, that's a really good point that I hadn't considered. I, I feel like, honestly, I feel like Zaheer gets more of a redemption. Because, like, honestly, if it weren't for, like... It's, it is also important to note, if it weren't for Zaheer, Korra mm-hmm. wouldn't have been able to beat uh, to beat her at the end. That is true. Zaheer finishes his, like, uh, when he's defeated, he's, like, still spouting off his ideology. He's still kind of, you know, ranting and raving and 
you have Bolin, the um, the the humorous sidekick character, uh, putting a sock in him. Uh, yeah. But then Kuvira seemingly has a change of heart and like tells her soldiers to stand down and like they they could have kept fighting and they could have tried to win. Uh, and she's like, no, no, I've had a change of heart. I'm going to be good now. And uh, we've been bad, but now we're good. Uh, and now I'm going to go work for NASA. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, my God, though, you're right. Uh, you're for real right with that. Now, I can't uh, claim that analysis as my own. Like I say, go watch, yeah, go yeah. watch, like, his ideologies of Korra videos and and check those out. But, like, it is surprising just how... Because, and also, like the way that the fascists are portrayed is the way that fascists would want to be portrayed. It's all the, the like, the Renny, Lenny Riefenstahl, like, mm-hmm. imagery of the army on the move and the motorized, uh, you know, the trains that run on time and all that. Uh, it's all very much viewing fascism as they would view or have you want them being viewed. Um, yeah. No, you're... Yeah. Yeah, that's an excellent point. I also think... Um, I think it's interesting that they introduce her at like the very last episode of the the third season. Like, they, oh, this character is going to be important. Yeah, they and introduce then, her as an unnamed extra in the beginning of season, or like in the middle part of season three. Like oh, she's totally just known that. as Captain of the Guard in like you know in Zaofu. But then she gets a name, and that means yeah. that she's an important character. And getting a name gives you plot armor. Um, well, I mean, I, I mostly, I, rem- I, I wasn't aware of her showing up in the middle of season three. Like, it's because I you don't know what to look for. Yeah. Yeah, but in but on a rewatch, end, yeah. Well, at the end of season three, she shows up, and they like show her taking off the helmet. And, like, the way that the camera is treating her, it's like, you should know who this person is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they jump ahead for three years in season four, and it's just kind of like, I would like to see this person more before this? Yeah. Like, like if you rewatch season three, you'll see glimpses of her. Where she's Any time that they're dealing with, like, the Zalfu security forces, she's the person that's being dealt with. Mm. So, like, she's a she's a, a a walk-on character basically in those parts, but you can mm. see part of it. Um, anyway, sorry, con- continue. Oh, I was just saying, like, I feel like because then there's like more. It makes more sense. Mm-hmm. There's like more pathos, I guess, mm-hmm. to see her downfall, and like, because I feel like there's a story that could be told there that shows like how people fall into fascism Mm -hmm. because like there's a lot of characters that we care about who kind of wind up under her spell um and i feel like the fact that that gets entirely glossed over is a big failure Mm -hmm. like you know there's a there's a whole series about that it's called the star wars prequels there is a there, yeah that's true <laughs> but i mean like a, if a good series did, did that like avatar's mm. good series and i'd like to see what their take is on it yeah um yeah because it's like and, and i remember like when we watched it like and we we got to that first scene of season 
four and I said something and Elise was like, Oh, do you want a spoiler? And I went, Oh, she's the bad guy of the series. Right. And she was like, yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> you figured it it's out. Very obvious right away. It's like, yeah, clearly she's the villain. Mm-hmm. And I know Bolin isn't the smartest person in the world, but like, <laughs> he's our big dumb himbo. He, but like, he's he should have better sense than that, you know. And so it's it would be a good it could have the potential at least to be a good story to see how did he wind up here, like why does he think this is a good idea when he's like you know. Again, not the brightest person in the world, but he's been shown time and time again to be, you know, pretty sound, morally speaking, more or Mm -hmm. less. Like, he has stumbles here and there, like anyone does, but, like, he's not a bad person. So how does he become a fascism, if not a bad person? Um, And that's, like, the most important thing that maybe a children's show could talk about when it comes to that topic. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it's just kind of glossed over as, like, Oh, we were tricked. Well, how were you tricked? Yeah. Like, how, how do, yeah. That's an important thing to show. Like, that is the most important thing to show in this kind of a story. And it is a bit of a shortcoming that they just kind of skip over it. How do you get good people to do bad things? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh... Uh, I don't got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, but, like yeah, the 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 inventor guy, I can't remember his Varric. name. Varric. Varric. The fact that like every time like after season two that Varric shows up, my immediate response <laughs> is, how is he not in jail? He was in Allegedly. jail. <laughs> yeah, he was. But then like, why does he not go back there? He should just go back there. <laughs> Because he escaped from jail. <laughs> I recognize that. But usually when people <laughs> escape from de- jail and, like, people see them, they mm-hmm. go back to jail for longer. Well, he's he's been patronized by a fascist who's keeping him out of jail. Right. But doesn't he? He shows up in season three as That's well. That's right. He does he? show up in season three. Yeah. He Well, in that case, he's um, he's crossed the border. He's fled his, his sentence. He's in Zalfu. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's in a different country now, so the laws don't apply anymore. That's how that works, right? Yeah, but well, that's I mean, yeah, <laughs> that basically that's what Sue says. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it's I it's... don't know. Oh, Eric. And and he's, then and then Raiko has to go and pardon him because uh, I guess he defected with important information from a fa- from a fascist. Mm. And whenever yeah. someone who's been working with a fascist comes to you and they're like a big inventor person, then of course you pardon them for all their war crimes and give them a job at NASA. That, that was the only one that made sense. Like the rest <laughs> of it was just like, how is he not in jail right now? Like, I'm sorry. Oh, what was the other one? There was another like big, I can't remember if it was in season three or four. But what was um, it? Where... Where Korra is trying to explain something in terms of, oh, something, something, spirit world, like something, something, great danger. I can't remember exactly what the context was. And she's explaining it to like this officer. And the officer is like, Pishtosh, spirit world, mumbo jumbo. It was, it was in, it was in season three because it was like, because my reaction was like, dude, were you not around when like the spirit world almost like 
destroyed the physical plane like three weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Like, I am sorry. Did do you were you did you sleep through that? Like what happened? He was really this sick. Is, he ate some terrible he ate some bad curry and was just like out for the whole day. The, the Avatar coming to you and explaining <laughs> spirit world stuff is happening should be like like that is like Muhammad Atta had a like making a lot of 9-11 references. <laughs> it was like a week ago. I guess it's on the mind. But it's like, uh, yeah, Muhammad Atta had a clone and he stole another plane. It's like, oh, that's ridiculous. It's like, no, you might listen to that person. Like, I don't know. I just, it, it was just very strange writing where it was like very clearly put in there to like add an extra like obstacle for the protagonist. But again, like if you think about it, it's like, no, he should listen to her now because like, this just happened. <laughs> like, there was a giant rampaging spirit monster that almost ended the world, like, a month ago. And you're mm. thinking that this is, this is the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard? Okay. Yeah. I wish it, I, was, that, I wish... was that Raiko who was saying something like that, or was that someone I, else? I don't remember the specifics of it. It might have been. It might have been. Because I remember Raiko is just like, giving like just just complete like politician about all this trying to not not really think about things but do it as like terms of popularity it it was someone who absolutely like should have known better and there Mm -hmm. wasn't really anything written into the script to explain why they didn't Mm -hmm. of like like, because again, Avatar talking about spirit world, spirit world catastrophe just happened, and you think it's ridiculous? Like, I don't know. It's just it, it didn't make any sense to me. I wish I could remember the specifics because I could, so I could explain it better. But I honestly don't remember what it was. It's fine. Well, we're at the hour and a half mark. Anybody got any last minute? I didn't talk about Witcher 3 again. That's okay. <laughs> so I, I, sorry. Um, so with, because we're, we're distant, uh, I was uh, doing a digital movie night with some friends or a friend, oh, a friend, yeah. a friend. Uh, you were invited, but you didn't, you weren't able to make it. I, yeah, I wasn't able to make it that time. But we watched a film from like the seventies called Frogs. Oh yeah. Um, Okay, so frogs is like a creature feature in that the creatures are just frogs, Um, but not really uh, because you have this like island on like the swamps of Florida with a rich family on a uh, in a mansion, and they are all, all killed off one by one by the different creatures like snakes, and snakes. And no frogs, really. The frogs only kill one person in this entire film. Um, but it stars uh, a young Sam Elliott as the uh, as the common man who happened to be amongst these wealthy elites. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy just how much of this film... Because this film was, like, 90 minutes long, right? But about half of it was just cutaway footage of frogs <laughs> just not doing anything just I mean, sitting there 
It's what it said on the marquee. <laughs> you gotta frogs. give the people frogs. They're coming to a movie scene called Frogs. They're expected to see them. I, I Put like them on the, the screen, 20 feet tall. I like the idea that they had, like, a film that was, like, you know, I don't know, maybe 45 minutes long. And they're like, oh, fuck it. We gotta make this a feature-length film. Well, what do we do? Uh, just throw in more frog footage. <laughs> just crank out the frogs. It's great. <laughs> Turn the frogs up to 11. <laughs> and then turn them gay. Turn them gay. <laughs> turn them gay. Turn the freaking frogs gay. Yeah, uh, it, it was it was weird because it it kind of... It's, impl- it's an implied apocalyptic movie, too. <laughs> because essentially the frogs are like... And, and the other animals of the swamp are essentially getting revenge for the pollution and the poisoning <laughs> that's going on in the world. Okay. So you only you don't have like any contact to the outside world. Like the the phones are dead. We don't know what happened to them. It's presumed that the frogs cut the phone lines. Uh, <laughs> How could they put, cut the power? They're animals. Um, so all this time, like um, they keep trying to call the outside world to you know figure out what's going on. And the only way they can really get out is to take a boat across a lake to get to the road. Uh, and eventually Sam Elliott and, like, the, the love interest and the two children, because children are innocent, um, manage to escape. And they they come across a road, and uh, they, they come across one car, the, the only car on this entire road, uh, who's driving one way. And uh, the people that pick them up as hitchhikers are like, yeah, we've been through a bunch of towns. We haven't seen anybody. It's like a ghost town out there. And, like, the person that's supposed to be, like, at the dock is missing, and all the other people are missing. So it's like, yeah, this is the this is the Gaia Armageddon. This is the frogs <laughs> coming for you. <laughs> You've made them gay, and now they're angry that the world is so het. <laughs> um... But yeah, no, it was it was just a, a fun a fun thing. It's on YouTube. Like it's you can watch it on YouTube for free. Uh, you may get ads, political ads now, but you know it's uh, we didn't have <laughs> too much Joe trouble. About Joe Biden's with that. America. Was that about Joe Biden's America? I know about like more like local Virginia like Repub- like representative races. Like I actually haven't seen a whole lot of Trump or Biden ads lately. It's mostly like um, the local, uh, the local. Uh, what am I trying to say? House of Representatives uh, mm. run that I'm getting ads for. Oh, uh, we've been seeing a lot of that. Um, the Joe Biden's America commercial, which is mm. like all the footage of all the terrible things happening in Donald in Trump's America. America. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that. I've seen that a few times early on, but like, like no, it's all Scott Taylor and Elaine Loria. Like, I'm just mm-hmm. gonna name drop them for my locale because you know, it's fine. Um. Anyway. God, Jesus, Scott Taylor is back. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> he, that man is like a cockroach. He's back. And you know in what? Pog form. I wish he was in pog form. He's in like talky man form and that sucks. You know what, Scott Taylor? I hope you're listening. Like you just, your career, your political career is done. Stop it's trying just to make done. Scott Taylor happen. It's, it's not going to happen. I'm sorry. That's how I feel about Scott Taylor. Mm-hmm. Well, he's trying to make a comeback and uh, we don't know. Yeah. Honestly, Elaine Luria is, like, barely better, but, you know. Yeah. At least she is better. 
she's not the worst. She's not the worst. That's and the you know what? You Scott her. Taylor is the worst. He's he's uh, he's up there of my list of the worst. Anyway. Anyway, best of the worst. He Scott just has Taylor. a very punchable face. He does. I mean, most Republicans do. Let's let's be, <laughs> let's be honest here, because like especially like younger Republicans, because it's like oh god, it's like you should know better, sweetie. Yeah. Well, I mean, but no, no they they're sh- getting they're getting all the money from their their rich uncle. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. You know, they're they are clearly like they're the ones who have never had to work for anything a day in their lives, like Ted fucking Cruz. Ugh. <laughs> like just doesn't understand how the world works. Like, like went to a few high school debate championships and was like, I'm going to be president. I feel like we all went to, to high school with a Ted Cruz. We did. And that's like the most (laughs) terrifying thing imaginable. It was one day, all of those fucks will be senators. Mm. Because it's like, like, like think about like, Ted Cruz is like Gen X, right? Like, like he was a young man when we were, when we were like little babies. Right. So like he was someone that like went through like Gen X didn't like have a whole lot of like political upheavals, but I mean, he existed in the world of like the battle for Seattle and like the G20 protests and like, you know, grunge happened and he was still just ted cruz like through the whole thing like he was born with that face in that suit (laughs) when he wasn't being the Uh, uh, zodiac killer yeah yeah god and now he has those goddamn mutton chops and you're like who are you trying to wait he has mutton chops now he has like something like he has some he's got a beard okay i I was familiar with his upsetting beard i was not familiar with mutton chops So, I want to point out about uh, the Elaine Loria Scott Taylor uh, upcoming challenge. Uh, there is a third party candidate, an independent, named David B. Foster, who, according to his own biography, is a patriot warrior who came to the realization in November of last yes. year that our Congress has been at war with we the people since yes. 2016. <laughs> Stop saying oh, yes. He's probably an alt-right I shithead. I know. He feed is. it to me. Give me the trash. <laughs> uh, after researching, I got on the ballot as an independent conservative and began my yes. signature drive in mid-January. Through hard work and perseverance, I qualified in May for the general election ballot. Man, so Scott Taylor has, like, a snowball's chance (laughs) of hell. He wasn't going to win anyway. Like, he wasn't, now he's really not going to win. Tell me more about this guy. Is he a sovereign citizen? Does he care about flag tassels? I need to Uh, know. He says, uh, this David versus two Goliaths grassroots campaign strategy has been well received within the voter back. My self-funding, by, I am self-funding my campaign by asking everyone to share my website and social media platforms with all of their contacts. Uh, and his key messages are three. He has, th- I'm on Ballotpedia. His three <laughs> key messages are uh, hemp industries are trillion dollar worldwide green economy America yes. should be developing. Oh my God. Uh, okay. I'm down for that. <laughs> 12 year maximum term limit in the house and Senate. Okay, I'm down for that too, actually. 
and we need to pursue prosecuting all the 2016 ongoing coup traitors. There we go! <laughs> I don't know Nicholas, what that means. I don't know what it means either, but it's great! <laughs> Oh my god, Nicholas. No, Nicholas, bad. Where's the spray bottle? <laughs> Throw some water on you. What no. was your very first job? My first job, my first summer job at nine years old when I pushed a lawnmower with a gallon gas can for $3 a yard. <laughs> oh my okay. god. I'm, I'm, this man is a boomer what? cartoon brought to life. He is a, he's a living minions meme. This is amazing. <laughs> Okay, I'm just, I'm just gonna put this out there. We um, do not support this candidate. Do not vote for this candidate. For, for Laugh just at for him. everybody who's listening in general, okay, 2020 is not the year to vote ironically. Okay, <laughs> like it is not the year to be like you know what would be funny. None of this shit is funny anymore. Okay, like you do could you, have had that. You, you believe- save that energy for the. Barack Obama years, okay? If you didn't use so, your energy then, like, you don't get to have it now. Like, I'm sorry, that train tell, has left the station. Tell me more. Feed me more, Alex. Oh, my God, stop it. I okay, think, no, I we're think, okay, this I think we need to end the recording. I think we should end our recording, and then after recording, I will feed you more, Nick, okay? Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> why, would we, but, why can't we do this on the... Uh, Let's go ahead and call it a recording for tonight. Aww. That way, Elise doesn't have to listen to our bullshit if she doesn't want to. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you, Alex. <laughs> sure thing. But my name is Alex. I'm Nick. I'm Elise. And we've been some nerds of a podcast. You all have a wonderful night. Good Take night. care, everyone. Flag tassels. Maritime law.